One of the first jobs I got when coming to Toronto was on the night desk at the head office of one of Canada's large banks. It was 1992. I would start at 5 p.m., picking up from the person who was just going home for the day. I crunched numbers and wrote spreadsheet formulas for the bank's mountains of financial reports. Whatever needed to be coded on a spreadsheet, I would do. I worked from 5 p.m. until 3 in the morning, at which point I would leave and grab one of the cabs that were lined up outside the main doors of the tower that sat square in the middle of the city's financial district. I was fascinated by the fact that so many cabs were there. Always more than 15, lined up along the curb in the dead of night, cabbies usually standing outside talking to each other until someone like me stepped through the one unlocked concourse door and out into the cool night air. Except no cab driver ever wanted to take me. Once they talked to me and found out I lived just 20 blocks away. They were waiting for the overtired manager who lived out in the suburbs and had been pulling an all-nighter. None of these cabbies wanted to blow their multi-hour wait in line for what was back then a $10 ride. So, to make life easier for myself and to avoid the hassle, I learned to just go to the last cab in the line, the one that had just most recently arrived, raising the ire of all the other cabbies who, not recognizing me from the nights before, thought I might be heading to the airport for an early flight. I loved that lifestyle. It was a different world. The city streets were quiet, but still busy. I had a desk by the window on the 40th floor. I grew used to watching the rhythm of the city after hours. The crowds of people rushing to the train station would start to ebb around 7. Then the nightlife hours started, people going out for dinner, staying after work for a few drinks, or going to some shows or to the ball game. Then, as the evening wore on, most of these people would emerge to find their way home. As midnight approached, these street-cleaning trucks would appear, then the overnight road repair and streetcar track crews would set up shop on deserted streets. The overly imbibed laggards would spill out onto the sidewalk and try to use the evening air to sober up, while bars and restaurants closed up, and of course, sadly, the homeless would take their places on the gratings for the rest of the night. As midnight passed, the streets would stay quiet until about four, and then the delivery drivers would bring their trucks filled with restaurant supplies or newspapers to lay the groundwork for the new day to come. I was usually long gone by 5 a.m., but I knew that just like the tide coming in, the working people would charge back up the street from the train station or the subway station, and the city's rhythm would repeat once again. I love this life. You get to feel you own something that few other people ever do. A city stripped of all of its daytime busyness, showing the other side of itself. It is a side that is stark and sparse. Illuminated by an unchanging curtain of street lighting and devoid of the distracting motion of crowds, couriers, and cars it is the domain of the night owl. Hello and welcome to Cool Time Life. I'm your host, Steve Prentice. Each of our Cool Time Life podcasts focuses on a topic dealing with people, productivity, technology and life, and each offers ideas and facts you need to know about to thrive in today's busy world. An index of our podcasts is available at steveprentice.com under the podcast link. Despite the description that I just gave, I am not a night owl. I am a morning person, just like most people. I am a member of a very large club. Studies show that everywhere in the world, regardless of nationality, culture, or faith, 80% of any population has their metabolism oriented towards morning. We morning people are at our best between 9am and 10.30am, fueled by sunlight, coffee, and meetings. So even back then I had to ask myself, how am I able to do this? And in the decades that followed, I also sought to understand more about real night owls, the ones who had to face daytime jobs that went completely against their biology and who had to struggle with the pressures of early morning meetings when their entire body yearned for a few more hours of sleep. 
So why are some people night owls after all? As with any research into human metabolism, there is more than one theory. There is the sentinel hypothesis, for example, which suggests that it has been necessary for all the thousands of years that humans existed before artificial lighting and private houses when tribes or small communities coexisted in groups, that the odds of survival were better if there was at least one member of the group who was predisposed to stay awake all night to watch for predators. Obviously, any group that had this arrangement were less likely to be attacked in the night and therefore more able to pass on their genes to the next generation. Some, however, attribute the characteristics of the night owl to delayed sleep phase disorder in which a mutated clock protein in the body impacts the natural sleep cycle. But to me, that sounds more like a description of sleep problems like insomnia or disrupted sleep than the chronologically opposite sleep pattern of the night owl. Like other variants of the human self, such as skin pigmentation, left or right-handedness, and the dominance of either logic or emotion in the personality, the cause of being a night owl could just come down to internal wiring. Some people are just born that way. The propensity for being a night owl might even appear or diminish as a person ages. In the same way that we replace every single cell in our bodies every seven years, hence you become an actual completely different physical person on a cellular level every seven years, sleep habits too can change. Teens, for example, are often maligned as being excessively sleepy in the mornings, which is often incorrectly attributed to slovenly behavior or late-night socializing, when much of the morning sluggishness is directly related to the amount of energy that a body must put into the act of physically growing. Teens eventually grow into adults, at which point the morning or evening orientation becomes more visible. As described earlier, it is clear that the stimulation brought on by the presence of the sun helps regulate a morning person's circadian rhythm, but seldom is it enough to bring night owls to life until they are fully ready. My own experiment with this myself as a morning person working a night shift shows that it is possible to redirect the body clock to a different schedule, but it will not change the polarity of one's time orientation permanently. That, if it is to happen, is going to happen naturally. So what can night owls do to survive the 9 to 5 working world? I'd suggest you redesign it. Back in that 9 to 5 working world, it has always been easy to spot the night owls at an early morning team meeting. They will do their best to arrive on time, holding on tightly to their coffee and trying to focus on the annoyingly chipper morning banter of morning-oriented fellow participants. I have always found this to be rather unfair, but it has been, up until now, a hard fact of workplace life. Work starts at 9 or worse, 8.30, or worse, earlier. When the majority of any workforce, 80%, is biologically aligned to this, the night owls tend to get outvoted and meetings are scheduled for first thing in the morning to capitalize on that sunrise energy. But now it seems that such inequities might have their best days behind them. It is becoming increasingly apparent that more work can be done asynchronously with the growing interest in work-from-home and hybrid workplaces there is a demonstrable value in shifting the workplace priority from one of FaceTime, as in being physically present and visible in the office, to one of output, in which, so long as the work gets done, why should I care where or when you do it? This mindset ties in well with the growing acceptance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which seeks to make a workplace much more accepting of people as they are, rather than making them conform to a single uniform style. Nick Selby is a cybersecurity specialist that I know. He writes, quote, Our company allows everyone to set their own hours and we work entirely asynchronously. We have been remote first since long before the pandemic and will continue this long after. In fact, always. We think that this is the place to be and our truly decentralized, truly asynchronous workplace is far more productive than forcing people to conform to specific time expectations. 
I ask this, he continues, what's the difference between me being a night owl in New York and our employees in Sweden working from 5 a.m. to 1 o'clock local time? End quote. David Spark is executive producer of the CISO series, a media company with a selection of cybersecurity-related podcasts, and he says, quote, I think everyone has a weird sleep and work schedule. I don't think I know one person in any field, security or not, that truly works a defined 9-to-5 schedule. So I think comparing a night owl schedule to that may be a desire to connect with an old form of working. While you can't expect others to work very late or early hours, you can expect people to work a little out of that 9-to-5 range, end quote. So increasingly, companies in many industries are faced with the daunting prospect of redefining what work is. How much of what we have done in past decades was dictated by the demands of physical presence? Needing to arrive for a meeting, for example. Needing to be at work so the boss could see you at work. Needing to attend a classroom training session in order to learn some new skills. It is becoming increasingly obvious that this does not need to be the only way anymore. Humans in many lines of work can do some or all of their work from anywhere, and now we are seeing that much of it can also be done any when. To be fair, there have always been jobs perfectly suited for night owls. People in the arts, for example, working in live theater as actors or crew, need to be at their best between 6pm and midnight. There are night shifts in hospitals, road crews who do road construction and repair, bakers, overnight mechanics. Many truck drivers take advantage of quieter highways to make their runs overnight. And there are financial types doing business with customers on the other side of the planet. And there are also pilots flying planes through the night. So much of the global economy is 24-7 that there is a lot of overnight busyness happening. And yes, it has always been possible for night owls to seek careers that fit their particular wiring. But that's not the same as making work in general compatible with the metabolic demands of each individual. The ideal situation for night owls in the new normal daylight economy would be one in which the work is shifted to the times of day where night owls' talents truly shine. This would again involve more asynchronous communications to replace meetings. Frankly, to extend that point, I would suggest the same be offered to all employees. Most meetings would work much better as ongoing chats over Slack, something that can continue over a day or more, and which I feel, for many reasons, will vastly outpace the effectiveness of a traditional one- or two-hour meeting. So ideally, night owls now have the chance to modify their work schedules to best fit their metabolism. It is important when selling this type of idea to management who might not be so aware of these new possibilities to talk about it in terms of quality. The reasons for modifying a schedule to fit a non-9-5 to metabolism is to maximize a person's productivity and skill, and this is something that can now be done in a new and different way. Senior management will always be interested in seeing how their company can do better in uncertain times, and asynchronous is it. Saying goodbye to the Industrial Revolution It is important to recognize also that so much of what we have been doing in terms of work over the past century was a result of techniques brought about by the Industrial Revolution, in which people were made to fit the machinery. Even the way we have been conditioned to sleep, to wake up and to have our meals was all intended to fit the shift structures of factories. Perhaps that made most sense economically at a time when most work did happen in factories, but the point is that no longer has to be the case. The capacity to work anywhere at any time means that for a great many jobs that involve working with a computer, as opposed to driving an ambulance, for example, can be done just as well on a more flexible schedule, one that matches an individual's metabolic needs. The fact that this cannot be applied to all jobs equally should not neutralize the idea that it can be applied in whole to some and in part to many others. But such an opportunity has had to wait for the moment at which technology became fully location-independent. This, of course, will all take some time for the shift towards a metabolically prioritized workplace. 
it has to penetrate many decades of 9 to 5 conditioning. But for night owls and morning people alike, I think this new normal offers the potential for far better productivity, progress, health and life balance. So there you have it, our podcast on making a case for a new era for the night owl. If you have a comment about this podcast, you can drop me a line through the contact form at steveprentice.com, where you can also find my social media links. A full listing of past episodes is available at steveprentice.com slash podcast. I do try to keep the episodes evergreen so that concepts do not get dated too quickly, so check them out and download whatever feels good. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review, and please just tell one more person about this podcast. And if you want, you can go and check out my books, one on time management, one on stress management, and one new this year on fear management in the workplace. Just go to steveprentice.com and click on, you guessed it, books. Until next time, I'm Steve Prentice. Stay safe and thanks for listening. <laughs>